I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. What up? This is Aaron Alexander with the Align Podcast reporting to you semi-live from my office in Bend, Oregon. Uh, today, I had the opportunity to chat with Mr. Peter Ragner, also known as the Longevity Sage. Such an important conversation to listen to. This guy, if we are looking at it from the amount of years that he has spent in his body, is pretty flipping up there. And when you look at him and you listen to him, you realize that holy moly, aging is not exactly what we thought it was or has to be. In this conversation, we got into top tips on how to increase our longevity, how to stay healthy, happy, strong for late, late, late into our life. I think we should be living up 100 years old and be strong, be able to kick butt all the way through and uh, so much more. If you want to talk to an inspirational wise fella or hear an inspirational wise fella, this is the conversation. It is so, so pertinent that we get this information out there to the world. So we're either dying or we're growing. Entertain life, you get more of it. Entertain death, you get more of that. If I'm not breaking my personal best athletic records, what am I doing? Be sure to subscribe, share, uh, leave comments in iTunes. It is so helpful. Those comments in iTunes can't express enough. Takes a second. Super, super fantastic. Appreciate it. Thank you. And ahead of time, check out aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find the blog. You will find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit, which is helpful with keeping your joints moving well, keeping your tissue healthy and strong, etc., etc. I believe there's something else on there that I'm forgetting about. That's okay. Enjoy this conversation. It was so inspirational to me, and I hope it has a similar impact to y'all out there. All right, here we go. Cheers. Align Podcast. Peter Ragner, thank you so much for coming on, man. I've been so greatly looking forward to chatting with you because... You are known as the longevity sage, right? And so I end up working with people practically on a daily basis of how to help them get better in their bodies. One of the conversations that we end up having quite often is how to age fantastically, how to age gracefully. And me being obviously a younger fella, it's there are definitely moments where it's like, all right, Aaron, yeah, 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 I get it, telomeres and hydrogenated oil and all this stuff, but wait till you're 50. You know, and your joints start hurting and your muscles fall apart, you know, and it's just like, what do you say to people that have that perspective that we are doomed? You know, these bodies are built to fall apart. These bodies are not sustainable. You cannot get better in your body, you know, as you get older. It is, it's, it's, it's going downhill. What do you have to say to those people that say it's like, it's just a genetic thing. You have no control over it. Yeah, you're you're doomed. That's it. <laughs> We're all screwed. <laughs> you're gone. Bye bye. <laughs> no, they, they, you don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> Perfectly not. You know, that's just not my experience. Yeah. Now I can tell you why it's not my experience. I can't tell you why it's your experience, except that you believe it. And if you believe a self-fulfilling prophecy, then you're going to get the results of your beliefs. Because every single thing you focus on, everything you put your attention upon, it grows. Mm -hmm. So if your thoughts are that I'm decrepit, I'm falling apart, I had this uh, time bomb ticking in my body that I, I reach a certain age, my athletic prowess is down the tubes, my physical health diminishes, my sex life goes to pot. Well, you know, you believe that, then it will be true for you. But if you don't believe that, if you start looking at all the reasons you can be better, all the reasons you can be useful, all the reasons that you can get more vital, 
then that also becomes your experience. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's your experience is what your experience is, the only thing that I can say is there is a better way. I can speak of my experience, I can share that, but the individual has got to take a chance, take a chance to look at it a different way. Reverse what you've been saying and you're liable to get the reverse results. Right. That simple. Yeah. Yeah, it's last night I was out in uh, my yard and I was looking up at the stars and I was doing, I was like rolling around and doing some weird, you People might call it yoga. It's not really yoga. It's just kind of rolling around. And uh, I was looking up and it was so beautiful, you know. And one of the things that I was noticing was the stupid power lines that were in the way. And then I had this realization of like, I'm talking to Peter Ragnar tomorrow. You know, I had this realization of, of... how our how valuable our perspective on our reality is you know and when you see all this beauty and we have a dog there and we got these beautiful plants and the stars and the grass and it's just wonderful and it's so easy to focus on oh i hate those power lines you know and it's like from your perspective it seems like you moved away from the power lines which is great you know but from from where i'm at here you know, I think it's just so important that we recognize, you know, that it's a, it's a habit how we see our world. It's a habit how we see ourselves. If you are always seeing the power lines in every situation, you that will affect you at a biological level. You know, and this gets into epigenetics and, you know, Bruce Lipton's really good about getting into this and the biology belief. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, standard genetics versus epigenetics, you know, and how our environment kind of creates our what genetics express themselves? That's a very good question because, you know, for years people didn't believe that our thoughts had any effect at all upon our physical body. And now with the abundant opportunity to research this, there's overwhelming evidence that our thoughts are biological. Uh, Every thought we have is, is a chemical electro sensation in our body. Every thought is chemical. Right. Now, you know, that's, that should be simple enough for anyone to grasp. Uh, you, you watch a scary movie and what happens? You have your adrenaline pumping. Well, that hormonal effect of seeing something on a screen, something made up, something out of someone's imagination, or reading it in a book, or reading it in a newspaper, or seeing it online, immediately our bodies have a reaction to it. It's gonna be a positive reaction or a negative reaction. And every negative reaction, like you were just bringing out, Aaron, from the standpoint of epigenetics, that cell basically gets frightened and it has to defend itself and it retracts, it doesn't expand. But every empowering thought, every empowering idea, every empowering uh, image or vision that we have has the opposite effect. So we're either dying or we're growing. Hmm. And dying or growing is all dependent upon what we mentally entertain. Entertain life, you get more of it. Entertain death, you get more of that. Entertain how bad it is. All those power lines zipping over your house. Oh, I'm getting zapped by this and that. Yeah, (laughs) now you're susceptible because you've opened the door. You've opened the door through fear, anxiety, trepidation. You're saying, I need to fight. I, I need to protect myself. And so the body says, yes. Let's shut down every part of the body, every gland, organ, uh, system that is not needed for our stark survival. And then all of a sudden you realize spending time in this place of just sheer survival, you basically wither up, you get into a cell, and you die. Right. Yeah. Opposite is true. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I'm curious from your perspective, you know, so just to give listeners kind of an idea, if you're not watching this on YouTube, um, you look fantastic. 
Um, I wouldn't be able, if I were to guess how old you were, I'd say you're probably like your early 50s or so, as far as if we're looking at linear time. And I know you have kind of an interesting perspective on you know our model of time and how that actually impacts our perception of ourselves you know and that's something that i chat about a lot you know it's like we kind of have these landmarks you know it's like you get to throw your dirty 30 or what you know you're 40 you know it's like we have you're 50 it's like oh things got to start breaking down and we have these preconceived notions as what's supposed to happen you know so I'd, i'd really love for you to kind of riff on that and then give us an idea of I mean, if you want to tell us what your linear age is, that'd be great. But um, I, I don't think you're going to. Um, but give us an idea of like, I know you started playing with martial arts in the early 50s. Is that is that true? So yeah, how, yeah. what's your journey been like? Well, you know, that, that's interesting because uh, not a few weeks ago, we had some friends here and we were talking about martial arts and uh, they were looking at my library. You know, I have a, an extensive library, martial art library, uh, in addition to uh, other topics. And so I pulled out one of the older books, and we looked in the inside of it, and it was 1955 when I got that one of my first books on uh, on jujitsu. Nice. And so that uh, I've been studying jujitsu, practicing that since 1955, huh. and. You know, over the years, you just get better. Practice makes you better. Right. Uh, you know, this, right now, I feel like I'm just peaking at my game. Yes. I'm just getting into my stride. I've been lifting weights since then. Yeah. And now, you know, even, even yesterday in the gym, you know, yesterday was my squat day. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to break my lifetime best records. I'm pushing them right now mm-hmm. in just about all of my lifts. Yeah. And I look forward to the next two, three, five, ten years from now. Interesting to see where I'm going to be. Awesome. You know, and that's, that's my personal little game that I play with myself. Yeah. I said, if I'm not breaking my personal best athletic records, what am I doing? Right. I'm, uh, obviously, I'm not working out then. <laughs> yeah. So for, for folks, you know, as far as actionable, you know, how can we really, how can we start this today? You know, what are actual techniques that we should be thinking about? Is it lifting weights? Is it how we eat? Is it our relationships? Is it our, you know, our introspection, how we feel about ourselves? Is it all that? What, what do we need to nail down right now? You need to nail down not believing all the bull crap that everybody else is throwing around. That, get that out of the way. First, first, stop believing the lies about yourself and find out for yourself whether this is true or not. And the only way you're going to find that out is by getting your butt in gear. So you get your butt in gear. What is it that you really want to do? What is it that, that's your passion? Find your passion and live that and don't be shy because it's nothing, you know, this, this is going to take you out of your comfort zone. Nothing good happens in the comfort zone. Yeah. It's getting out of it. Right. It's getting out of there and testing yourself, allowing yourself to basically expand. And that's number one. Uh, get rid of all of the limiting thoughts. I love it. When you start, then then you figure, okay, what am I going to do about my diet? What am I going to do about my my physical body, my health, my vitality? Uh, do I want to increase my physical strength, my endurance, my stamina, my flexibility? Well, if you do, then how about committing to a plan? You take your passion and you place your passion within the parameters of a workable plan. You plan your work and work your plan. And little by little, day by day, increment by increment, you make progress. You see yourself making progress, what happens? You get enthused, you get excited about it. The more excited you get, the more passion you have, the more energy you have, the more commitment you maintain. And before you know it, you know, the time's going to pass anyway. 
you wake up and you say, wow, I've been doing this for what? And I'm, I just keep getting better? Yeah, that's what you do when you're just getting better. <laughs> awesome. So what about, you know, obviously diet is going to play a huge huge role, right? And so we are com- constantly being bombarded by all this artificial crap and processed food and denatured substances that, you know, it's like, it's like the carcasses of what once was digestible food, digestible information, you know, and now it's been flipped and turned and twisted and heated up and processed and shipped, you know, and it's been impacted so much like that has to have a deleterious impact on our DNA, on our telomeres, which is an interesting subject that I'd love to hear you chat about, you know, it's how we can actually protect our DNA, you know, lengthen our lifespan via what we're putting into our body. Is there some type of what, what can you tell us about, about food and its impact on you know, our, our genetics? Well, if you don't know where it comes from, it's, not, it's most likely not food. Right. <laughs> you know, if you go in the grocery store, the only place they have a grocery store is generally along one aisle over on the side. That's where the stuff looks green. Right. It's leafy. It's, you know, that section, the produce section. And then half of it's inorganic. Yeah, and right. Now, there's the next question, you know, really, where does it come from? Right. But that's, you know, all I can say, Aaron, for myself, I, I focus on that which I know where it comes from. Yeah. I, I eat the least amount of stuff that has been processed or packaged in any way. And I'm talking about organic foods here. Mm -hmm. So most of the foods, uh, just about everything that I eat, you can identify as, oh, I know what that is. That's broccoli, that's cabbage, that's, you know, whatever it is. And I try to keep it as, uh, as nutritious as possible. That's why we grow so much of our own. Uh, we shop at uh, our local farmers markets uh, where people bring their organic produce and we eat fresh, fresh, live, living foods. And, uh, you know, that makes up the bulk of my diet. Awesome. And I'm curious from, you know, I see a lot about like calorie restriction as a means of, of longevity. Um, do you have any thoughts on amount of food? to eat and then also the times of day to eat it, um, you know, com- combining nutrients or combining macronutrients, you know, it's like, do you have any kind of rhyme or reason to that? Or is it just, if it's real, if it's fresh, throw it down the gullet? Well, you know, there's, you can get in so many different debates because everybody's got a position right. and there are arguments on both sides, no matter what, what issue it comes to when it comes to food. You know, food for most people is a survival issue, and the minute you start talking about it and you uh, come up with any do's or don'ts, people uh, break off into opposing camps, right. and they start arguing about food, which, of course, that immediately destroys the quality of what you eat, whatever you're talking about. Okay, so basically, when when I'm looking at food, uh, it's got to be fresh, generally raw. And there are a few things that I that I eat that are cooked, and highly nutritious. I need to know where all of this comes from, right. and therefore that determines my choices as to where I shop or do I grow up myself. Yeah, and that pretty well uh, tightens, tightens it down. Now, as far as uh, calorie restriction goes, if you're eating like that, you're eating basically what your body is saying it requires. Uh, it's, pretty hard, uh, it's pretty hard to overeat on raw foods. I don't know anybody who has, hmm. uh, which makes it challenging also to gain weight on raw food. Right. But I... 
the body will tell you what it needs if you're in tune with it, if you're listening to it. And that's, that's how I uh, manage it. Yes, there's a lot of research on calorie restriction. Obviously, you don't want to eat too much. Now, there are certain times that are best to eat. Here's my principle. Uh, it's an old saying to uh, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. So in other words, you eat, uh, I eat my biggest meal for breakfast, mm -hmm. uh, lunch is up for grabs, and every, every evening my salad uh, is my dinner. Perfect. And then I try not to eat beyond, beyond that point, so I have a longer period of fasting until I eat again in the morning. And speaking of fasting, how about... Um lengthier bouts of fasting? Do you have much experience with going multiple days with fasting? Do you have any opinion on whether that's something that we should be thinking about? I know when, you know so many of us through our lives, we're stressed out, you know, and I think that if you're already stressed out and you're dealing with work and you still want to go to the gym and you got this girlfriend thing and the dog, da, 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 I think at that point, fasting probably isn't what you need to be doing is my opinion. Uh, I'm curious from your perspective on, on, on that. Okay, uh, there's been a time in, in decades past that I was rather uh, uh, fanatical about it, and I had fasted, uh, you know, like on 20 days on water, uh, things like that, and and I fasted with, on right re with regularity over the years. However, I'm at a point right now because I'm wanting to bulk up yeah. and put on more muscle mass that. I think the best way of doing that is, is periodically taking two or three days and just simply going on a juice fast, raw organic juices. I think that benefits everyone because it gives the digestive system a chance to relax and to, you know, uh, just to clean out. And if we're eating, eating, eating all the time without ever cleaning out, pretty soon we start to notice that our colons get rather sluggish. And we're not evacuating uh, the waste as we ought to. And I think that's a big part of why people are so tired because the waste itself creates toxins, which creates a fatigue factor, which then goes, goes hand in hand with the fact that when, when you're stressed, you're going to eat more. You have a tendency to eat more, you know, more comfort foods. Right. And it so com compounds the problem and then it becomes a vicious cycle. And so speaking of rest and speaking of stress, you know, I know that rest is massively important for our bodies to repair themselves, you know, for us to feel relaxed, for us to be able to, to kind of move out those, those stress hormones through our system and actually kind of level ourselves. You know, how important is rest for you, you know, and your perspective on sleep? I know there's, there's a, You've, I've heard you mentioning on other interviews a couple studies about sleep and the deleterious impacts of not getting enough sleep on people and progressing their aging process. Now, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Oh, I, I, absolutely. You know, it's, it's something that <laughs> I probably irritate people with it, uh, Aaron, <laughs> because I go to bed very early and I get up very early and you know, it's the old uh, maxim, early to bed, early to rise, makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right. Well, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Getting to sleep, getting enough sleep. Now, this also depends on how you tax your body. I have pretty, pretty hard workouts, and there, therefore, my body requires more sleep. Right. So I make sure that I get a good eight hours of sleep. And I go to bed early, like I said. Uh, I'm usually in bed by 8 o'clock, 8.30, which uh, may sound ridiculous. Uh, I lay there and I read something inspiring, uh, something uh, you know that, uh, that's not overly exciting, but something that just really uh, brings a peaceful feeling, yeah. uh, inspirational things. And then I drift off to sleep, and so my 
automatic programming is set to something very pleasant. And then I wake up uh, usually at five o'clock, right, somewhere around five. We, we don't have any, we don't have clocks around except uh, we have one on, uh, uh, well, we have a couple of little ones, but uh, since we don't have to go anywhere, we just get up when we get up. <laughs> and then I get up and I, I do my meditation, I do my Qigong and uh, my other spiritual practices. But that sleep is so essential for replenishing the energy of the body. Uh, it, it's vital. Right. Uh, you know, it's just... Uh, Again, all of the studies, a lot of the studies by uh, Eve Van Carter from the University of Chicago, uh, pretty some spooky stuff. But people who don't get enough sleep, it does cause accelerated aging. Mm -hmm. And not only accelerated aging, it uh, distracts the, the way the body functions in regards to food. In other words, you have a greater appetite. You eat more food if, you, if you're not getting enough sleep. Not simply because you're up, but it adjusts your appetite. So you're constantly more hungry. But again, that's a survival mechanism. Right. The, the body's saying, I'm not, I, you know, I'm worried about my survival. And so what do we do? We eat to insulate it. Yeah, and what was what's the relation with with um, the pituitary gland and vasopressin and uh, like how is there some way to quantify what's actually happening to us when we are not getting enough sleep? You know, the impact on our brain, the impact. You know, it's like, of course, you know, if you don't get enough sleep, you're not going to feel as good. But as far as like at a deeper level, like what what does progressive aging look like in the body? Well, the, the very first place you start, you start seeing it, you start seeing it in your face, you start seeing it in the eyes, the stress lines in the sclera, uh, you, you start seeing that redness, and uh, especially people who have problems with their liver, when the liver has, has not been functioning at the optimal levels, you start to get that yellowing in the sclera. Right. Uh, the stress lines, which are the red lines, start showing up. And then, of course, in the skin itself, the skin loses its elasticity. Right. Uh, the elastin uh, it starts diminishing. Uh, the, uh, the skin doesn't have that, that uh, light. It literally doesn't have the light right. uh, because the electromagnetic vibrations that we give off through our skin is now not being detectable. So there's a, a dullness in the skin. There becomes a dullness in the hair and the nails. Mm. So all of these things start taking place. And of course, uh, internally, obviously, we're getting uh, aches and pains that we never had before or we don't remember ever having before. Uh, and pretty soon the posture changes. Right. You know, you, so you start uh, the effects of gravity. You just start pulling down, melting down, and then you, you know, you this, this hunched over <laughs> look. You know? right. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things that when I'm when I'm working with clients, you know, it's like people come in and they have a knee injury or an elbow thing or, you know, all these potential variables are going on. And one of the first things that I look at is how do they walk in the door? You know, what is their, what is their whole demeanor? How do they, how do you, like you said, their, their posture, their structure, how do they carry themselves? What's the quality of their skin? What do their eyes look like? How do their fingernails look like? Their eyelashes? You know, there's all these different aspects of an individual. You know, what's their general temperament? You know, all of these aspects, that is health, that is vitality. Those are all indicators of what is happening to your, bi your biology at a deeper level. I was just recently chatting with Wim Hof, who's like pretty amazing. Are you familiar with Wim Hof? He's like a world record holder for everything. <laughs> he's got like 13 world records in, in relation to cold adaptation. So he's like been in cold, uh, the cold water, ice water for like an hour and 53 minutes, climbed Mount, Mount Everest in shorts. Amazing. You know, one of the things that he had mentioned was 
the pH of your body. You know, and when you put your so much of our environment, you know, pollution and all this, you know, processed food and stuff that we're putting in ourselves tends to be quite acidic. Not that acid is bad. Acid is incredibly valuable, you know, but when you become too acidic, which is what our environment is inducing in us, it will spell trouble. You know, so from your perspective, and this gets into like the germ theory versus terrain theory. There's there you can really get deep into the rabbit hole of this, but I'm curious your perspective on the value of the pH of our bodies, you know, what happens when we do tend to get off on that and how do we bring ourselves back to a balanced pH? That's an excellent question. Uh, there have been numerous books uh, out on the market. I remember one in particular called Alkalize or Die. Mm. Uh, great title, you know, it's in your face. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to burn. <laughs> hey, Alkalize or Die, you know. But it, it makes the point very, very emphatically that as we acidify the body, the body basically starts, uh, starts to become decrepit. The, most of those acidifying foods are, found, are processed foods. Again, we get back to your natural organic uh, fruits and vegetables that uh, they're alkalizing, highly alkalizing foods. And especially for people who juice a lot, you do uh, fresh and raw juicing, you're alkalizing your body at a, at a very high level. Now, of course, the blood pH is in a very, very small and narrow range. And it, uh, it has to stay in that range, and, which is a balance between... Uh, alkalinity and acidity but once that's disturbed to the acidic side every one of our major ailments is associated with it from cancer to diabetes to you name it I very very crucial subject to to consider but here's something else Every time you have a fearful thought, every time you get anxious, hmm. every time you ask yourself, what if right. you're acidifying your body? Yes. It's just like, uh, you know, you have a bout, an emotional bout uh, or a conflict with someone. That's just like drinking a, a can of soda pop. Right. I mean, you totally acidify your body. Right. Now, if you're, if you're drinking the pop and then also having those negative reactions, you become reactionary. Right. You're doubling the poison. And then you wonder why, why you're getting sick, why you're getting colds, why you're getting the flu. What the heck is this flu season that everybody talks about? <laughs> you know, I, I've never had the flu in my life, right. and I have no idea what, you know, it's mainly, one of the things could be, everybody gets afraid of getting it, yeah. and immediately, now you're a little bit more acidified, and then you have the, the standard American diet, or the SAD diet, and you're <laughs> acidified some more, and, and holy crap, all of a sudden, now you're not even moving, you're, you become stiff. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is it's all we, we are perpetually creating these feedback loops, either positive or negative, you know, and depending upon our decisions, our momentary decisions, you know, and along with that, you know, when you have those moments of I'm freaking out, you know, you that freak out, that tangible feeling that you are having, there is a cocktail of chemicals that are being surged through your body. Right, those cocktail of chemicals they wind up where in your tissues, right? You know, and so what do we need to do to get that stuff to express that out of our systems? You know, we have to move, right? It's I mean, there's for my I'm very biased. I'm very you know I think I think everything is is important, but I know how important movement is. You know, and like looking at I kind of look at the body as like a collaboration of these rags that are soaking up all of these hormones and these chemicals, and we need to continually rinse those rags 
out of the old stuff to bring in the new stuff, right? And so I'm curious from your perspective, the value of movement, what type of movement is going to be the most effective for the endurance race, you know, being still good in your body when you're 120 years old and, uh, and the value of muscle, you know, is it important? One of the things that sometimes another thing that I'll get a little bit of slack for sometimes is I think it's really important to have muscle. You know, I think it's really important that your body has these producers of all these feel good hormones, all these, you know, anti-aging or from your perspective, pro youthing hormones. Now, what is the value of movement and what is the right type of movement for people that want to live well in their bodies for 120 years? Well, first of all, I totally agree. <laughs> if you don't move it, you're going to lose it. Right. <laughs> and God, you've got to move your body. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of people have, uh, have different interests. Some people move their body through dance. Uh, some people move their body simply by running. Uh, people love to run. Uh, other people do martial arts. I like to move my body uh, on my heavy bag often. You know, uh, it, it's a tremendous workout, uh, great cardiovascular work, and of course, it's, it serves another purpose in sharpening uh, certain skills. So there's various ways of moving the body, but the bottom line is, is that you have to move it. If you don't move it, what does it do? It gets stiff. Right. And people say, well, you know, when I when I move my body, I get so stiff. Well, they don't realize how stiff they are when they don't move their body. Right. They're only stiff because of the poisons, the toxins, the lactic acid buildup and all of that stuff is, is being gotten out of the body. Like you said uh, so aptly, uh, Aaron, it's like taking a sponge or a rag and you're just squeezing it out. Now, that brings me up to another point, deep tissue massage. I love getting massage. Another way of squeezing uh, the body and, uh, and just allowing a body movement, yeah. allowing uh, the, the joint flexibility. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's obviously many, many other ways of doing that. Right. But number one, yeah, definitely you've got to move. You've got to move it every day. And so what about, what about folks that may feel like you shouldn't be deadlifting 300 pounds when you're 70 years old? It's like, well, what if I can? You know, like, should I or shouldn't I? <laughs> hey, if you can, why not? Yeah. If you want to, then do it. <laughs> if you don't want to, then get the effects of not doing it. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. Uh, 300 pounds? I want to lift more than 300 pounds. I hope so, but I, I don't want to yeah, intimidate you know, people. <laughs> you know, I love that answer. But again, you know, that, that's really a reflection of having an unlimited mindset. Right. Uh, there's many different ways, again, of exercising, and there's a lot of different approaches to it. You know, a lot of people really enjoy body weight exercises. Uh, gymnastics is, is a phenomenal way to build your body. I, I prefer powerlifting. That's uh, what I love doing. Awesome. Uh, in addition to many, many other uh, uh, ways of moving my body. Right. Uh, there's nothing like a good workout on, uh, on your training mats doing throws uh, from the standpoint of judo and jujitsu. Right. Uh, you know, I had one of my training partners one day, we, we were on the mat and we decided to do one throw 300 times each. So we threw each other 300 times each. Awesome. And uh, I said, that's great. That feels, that feels good. Yeah. Is I sore the next day? Yeah. Right. So what? And the impact, how about the impact of overtraining? Because I think in this, 
culture of overachievers where nothing is ever enough, you know, we're continually dissatisfied with it. It's like, I'm still not good. And it's like, dude, you're awesome. You're doing great. Take a break. You know, like it's okay. Take a nap. You know, like what, what is the impact of overtraining? What does overtraining actually look like? You know, like overtraining is probably different to different people, assumably. Um, I know that you have a background of running and you're running something like a hundred miles a week or something ridiculous like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that as far as preservation of your cells? You know, if we're pushing the body so much, does it start to make, you know, throw off the pH and throw off all these different balances in our system? Yeah. I, uh, when I was doing that, it, it definitely did. And, uh, one of the first the uh, ind- indicators of overtraining was injury. Right, you start having injuries, yeah. and I started having uh, having injuries, and then I realized something at that time, and it's been a number of decades ago, that during that time that I was putting in that kind of mileage, I noticed the people who I was competing with. I I would think, you know, I'd not see someone for a few months. And then I'd see them and I'd say, wow, they've gotten old. Right. And then I realized how I was taxing my adrenal glands, yeah. my uh, hormonal levels. And that was basically that overtraining leads to accelerated aging. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beyond the level of health. And of course, it was at that time from that realization that I went back to training, uh, weight training. And can you overtrain? Oh, absolutely. That's why when you have a program, when you outline a a training regimen and you put in those rest days and you adhere to that schedule, you avoid overtraining. Now, overtraining, if you get up in the morning after a workout and your pulse rate is 10, uh, 10 beats higher than it normally is in a, as a resting pulse, you're pretty much getting into overtraining. Hmm. But the first indicators are you're going you're gonna to feel fatigued instead of just sore. And there's a difference because sometimes, you know, you know how it is when, when you've had a good workout, you get up the next day and you feel your muscles are sore. But you're not overtrained. Overtraining is when the when it starts getting uh, uh, you lose you start losing your enthusiasm. Yes. Well, it's especially important at that place to go into a detraining mode or a deloading mode, and you cut back and you just simply start doing some light workouts, nothing heavy. And you give it a week, uh, a week of just doing, just going through the motions. And then you come back to your program once again. And you come back with a renewed vigor and an enthusiasm or just take a week off. Right. You know, every now and then, every six months, take a week off. Yeah. And one of the things that I say to that is, you know, we, again, in this culture, we have the thought that, you got it. You got to train. You got to put an hour in. You got to flip the tire. You got to climb the rope. You know, you got to do that or you are unacceptable, you know, or maybe not everyone has that, but like depending on, on what group you hang out with, you know, and I think that what I, what I say to that is like, yeah, train, like train hard, you know, when you're training, like get after it, you know, but we need to be thinking about our movement practice. You know, our movement practice is how am I standing here as I'm talking to you right now? I'm balancing on a foam roller, if you can tell, <laughs> kind of like bobbing around. <laughs> you know, and so it's like how how do I how do I lean over to grab you know this chair and pick it up and put it in a truck? You know, how do you, are you are you dancing? Are you moving? Are you having sex? You know, that's actually I wasn't expecting to ask you about that. How does sexuality play a role in in aging, and what what is the value of? Oh man! So one of my, my one of my curiosities is the the value of uh, I mean like tantric sex or like ejaculating to ejaculate or not to ejaculate. You know, and like how often should we be doing it? Should we be doing it? Should we be doing it all the time? Like what what are your what are your thoughts on sexuality and aging? Well, first of all, I have no law about it. <laughs> In other words, when you start putting uh, laws and regulations to it, 
you're building stress. You're, you're creating something that you don't need to create. Here's the thing. With our hormonal levels, our hormonal levels are directly connected, obviously, with our sexuality. And conserving, conservation, not abstinence, it's conservation of your life force energies that help keep usefulness. Plus, you know, it, it's like this. If you, had, if, if you happen to love pizza and you had pizza every single night, all of a sudden pizza doesn't taste so good. Right. <laughs> it's having, having those, uh, that, that period of time where you're not having it. And all of a sudden you've added, uh, it, it's never so good until you fasted for a period. So how long should that be? Well, for a younger man, obviously the periods are shorter. 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 to 25 minutes. <laughs> As you get older, of course, uh, according to some authorities, quote unquote, uh, it should be more infrequent. But of course your vitality is going to dictate that. I don't think you can make a, a law or a ruling on it. Your body, if you listen to your body, will tell you, just like your appetite tells you. When you have a healthy appetite versus when you have just the, uh, the habit of just eating and eating and eating. So distinguishing the difference between that, those two, I think, is, is the key to it. And one of the things that you mentioned along with that, obviously hormones, you know, come in, come into play with that conversation. And recently, a, a good friend of mine, he's maybe 35 or so, he was uh, going to get TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. And he sent me a message first and was like, Aaron, I'm thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts? And I said, no, you know, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're young, you're, you're vital. Like, you don't need that. Like, you need to be addressing other aspects of yourself. How's your nutrition? How's your sex life? How's your movement practice? You know, what are you doing to actually induce that, those, those hormones? And then I contacted the testosterone replacement therapy company. I'm not going to say what it was. I sent them in my results for the, you know, my, my blood panel and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, you need testosterone replacement therapy too. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm strong. You know, I'm fast. I move like I'm, I'm young. Like how it's becoming a business, right? We're, we're fear peddling to people that you are not sufficient human being unless you pay us $600 and you get on this program. That is complete BS, you know, and it's, it's, it's such an amazing thing that we are, we're succumbing to this, you know, so I'm curious from your perspective, the value of hormones, you know, in our system of, of maintaining that, that balance, you know, it doesn't need to be like raging all the time, you know, but the, what's the value of maintaining that balance and how do we achieve that? You know, one of the things I was eating a bunch of, you know, saturated fat and oysters and I was picking up heavy weights and I was trying to have sex as much as I could and, you know, all this stuff to develop it and see if I could. And, uh, it worked, <laughs> you know, what, like, what, what are your thoughts on, on how we can maintain a really fantastic hormonal balance in our system? Okay, I'm glad you asked that, Aaron. Uh, there's several there's several different parts parts to this. First of all, let me mention when people are taking hormones, they are not hormones that your body produces. It's a big distinction between the two. Your body produces a natural hormone, let's say testosterone, uh, since we're talking about that. Sure. When you get a, a, an injection of testosterone, that is not testosterone that your body produces. Right. That is a chemical look-alike or something that mimics it. And therefore, that mimicking chemical, while it is geared to be accepted by the body, the body accepts it, but the effects of it end up becoming negative. Right. Uh, one, one of the biggest negative effects is all of a sudden it, it, it tells the organ system basically, hey, you've got plenty of testosterone, you don't have to make any. Oh, okay, so you can go on vacation, guys. Right. So now you're no longer making testosterone, and what happens when you stop making it? 
well, then your testes start shriveling up because, you know, they don't need to work. Uh, even parts of your adrenals that produce testosterone, uh, they can relax that part of their function. So it becomes a, a, a vicious cycle. Right. Now, okay, where does this thing come from? Okay, you don't have enough, uh, enough testosterone. Well, if you start looking at, uh, here's, here's a big one for a lot of men in particular. You drink a lot of beer, you raise your estrogen levels. Right. Uh, you basically are sabotaging your production, your natural production of testosterone. And there's a lot of other foods. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just picking on one thing. Sure. You know, now I'm not begrudging people having beer. I'm not making any any ruling on that. But I'm saying that the guys that drink a lot of beer, if you have a beer belly or you have too much body fat, or just too much body fat, mm -hmm. you'll find that all of a sudden, as weight starts to increase, erectile dysfunction becomes more evident. Right. And it's not so much a testosterone thing, I mean, it is and it isn't, it's a dietary thing now. If you change that diet, if you start working out more, you'll find that your test levels will go up. There's nothing more anabolic for the body, for the hormones, than doing, uh, let's say, heavy squats, which is something that people hate to do because it's a, it taxes so much of the body. Sure. But any exercise that, that, is, that is an exercise that takes in more muscle mass will raise your testosterone levels. Yeah. Getting out in the sunshine, just being, just absorbing sunlight, your body jacks up the testosterone levels. Right. So all of these things come to play, but with our modern diet, is uh, is so laden with uh, uh, with chemicals that hype up the estrogen level in the body, the, the female hormones. Uh, everything from uh, the colognes, the deodorants, right. uh, let alone the foods that we eat. Plastic I mean, bottles. I'm sorry? Plastic bottles. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even it, just that. So you put it all together and, and stick a lousy diet in there. What do you expect? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned is, you know, erectile dysfunction, you know, that's essentially that's like a canary in the coal mine for heart disease. You know, it's, it's saying it's telling you that, hey, bud, something's up. You know, our circulation is off. You do not need a pill to give you a boner. You need to get to the core root of this thing, you know, and so it's like. You know, it's the same thing with, the, with TRT, the testosterone replacement therapy. You know, it's like, great, now we're throwing gasoline on the fire. You know, your body knows how to metabolize this gasoline for a minute, you know, but it's not a log. It's not sustainable. That gasoline will run out and then you'll be stuck because you weren't gathering wood. Right. You know, no, no pun intended yep. with the wood, you know, and so it's it's so important that we're looking at this from the core level of health. The core level of health is natural you know it's the earth you know it comes it comes from from the baseline you do core health does not come from a package for 249 dollars 99 cents you know we need to wrap our heads around that to start trusting you know our inside trusting our inner voice something that i've heard you mention that i thought was really really great um is the wetness of water Right, so so different types, different different waters will have, or different fluids will have a different degree of solubility for our system. You know, ability for our body to actually permeate our cells, and our bodies actually be able to accept that fluid. Right, so if we're drinking water that's not able to actually enter our cells, we will pee a lot. You know, and be like, well, I'm super hydrated, man. It's great, man. I, I pissed 35 times today. It was awesome. You know, it's like, but did your body actually get to receive that? Right. You know, so I'm curious from your perspective, how, what is the value of water and what water should we be drinking? That's a great question. There's, there's so many debates about, well, what is the perfect water to drink? Uh, first of all, I personally like high alkaline 
water. And water that, again, has, uh, is able to be absorbed by the body. In other words, the water is wet. Hmm. Now, that means that the surface tension uh, is at a certain uh, uh, solubility. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. If you have some grape juice or fruit juices, and we're just picking, let's say you're picking blueberries, and you look at your fingers, and you see, well, it's staining my fingers. Hmm. Yeah, that's because the juice in the blueberry is wet. It stains. It's, it's, getting, it's, it's able to get into the skin. Hmm. Well, that's, that's why water, especially the, a lot of the healing waters, uh, the healing springs around the world, that's their secret. The water is actually wet. And because it's wet, it heals the body. Right. Now, most of the waters that, uh, that we're getting, uh, let's say, uh, where does the water come from? Okay, what comes out of the spigot? Well, where does that come from? What well, comes from, uh, you know, the public utility, which comes out of the uh, sewage treatment plant. And I, I, I did this one time, Aaron. I called the sewage treatment plant and I said, where do you get your water? And so, well, we get, it, we get it out of the river. And I says, and, okay, so it comes out of the river, and what, what do you do with it? He said, well, we, we, we run it through chemicals in this whole process, and he explained the process. I says, and, and then, you know, I'm pretending like I don't know. And he says, and I said, then where does it go? He says, well, we pump it into people's homes. And I says, and then they use it in their toilet and their sink, right? And he says, yeah, that's right. And I said, and they throw all the stuff in the, in the toilet, and they flush the toilet and all of that stuff. Where does that water go? Oh, he says, that comes back to the sewage treatment plant. And I said, so you recycle, you recycle the toilet water and you send it back up to people's houses so they can drink it. Right. And he said, well, yeah, I guess you could say that. Right. <laughs> I yeah. said, did it ever occur to anybody that's not the water you want to drink? Right. Yeah, so as far as you know, things like chlorine, you know, or that chloramine, or I, I, all the different stuff that they put. I think I just made chloramine up, but we'll stick with chlorine. You know, they're putting in the water. Um, we could say that chlorine's natural. You know, our bodies are able to utilize that. I, I don't know a ton about this subject specifically. I don't know if you do or do not. You know, is is there a certain amount of chlorine that's that is okay, or is that is that not? what we want to be having in our systems, you know, like tap water versus spring water. Like how bad is tap water? Uh, well, here, th think of this. Years ago, when, when the medical profession used chloroform to anesthetize a person before an operation, it's chlorine, yeah. chlorine gas. Mm. When you have, when you've been sp swimming in a chlorinated pool, and you get out and you so and you feel really really tired it's because of the chlorination is the chloroform which makes you sleepy when you take a really hot shower and the water's chlorinated and you're breathing the 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 gases you're breathing the chemicals it's putting you to sleep right. it's anesthetizing you right now you throw in a few other chemicals like uh, fluoridated water. Right. You know, uh, miners who mine fluorine, it, it, it's a deadly poison. <laughs> I mean, all of these things are, are highly toxic. Does it kill stuff in the water? You bet. Right. You bet. Does it kill stuff in your body? You bet. It right. does. Right. It kills it. Right. That's why I use it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that that gets into you know the the whole microbiome, you know, and the value of of keeping probiotics in our system. If we're throwing something that is built to kill bacteria down our gullet, 
right? That will have to have an impact on your microbiome at a deeper level. You impact that, that impacts how you think, how you feel, how you digest food. You know, if you're not able to assimilate the nutrition that you put in your mouth, you could be getting, you know, a $30 raw vegan ultra wrap from some overpriced health food store. Your body's not able to accept it. I mean, that will help your probiotics because it's natural food, but your body, you have to create this environment you know, like a, like a fire that's, you know, flaming that to really break that stuff down. And we constantly are putting this, this, these sup, supplements or substances into our system that breaks that life down in our bellies. So what, yeah. one of the things, or not one of the things, we, uh, what we chatted about thus far, the value of sleep, uh, the value of maintaining pH balance in your body, perspectives on yourself, perspectives on your reality, perspectives on what age is, um, your movement practice, the value of water and having really good water that's not going to actually you know, destroy bacteria in your body. What are some things that we might be missing out of that? Or is that all a person needs to know about longevity? Oh, and sexuality as well. Talk to about that too. Yeah, don't forget that one. Don't forget that one. <laughs> well, how about the air you breathe? There, there's another good example. Right. You know, the, the various ions of the air. Uh, when we live in an environment that is filled with uh, positive ions, which are harmful, versus negative ions that are, are healthy, that's also affecting our, our mood. When you affect your, your mood and your, your mental uh, uh, equilibrium, you're affecting your emotions. When you trigger ne- start triggering your negative emotions, you're against triggering those stress hormones, which again, are to- uh, intoxicating the body. It's bringing the body uh, again into an acidic environment. So it all, it all comes, uh, comes back to a total picture. Healthy water, clean air, lots of exercise, knowing where your food comes from, eating healthy, getting plenty of rest. I mean, these are all very, very simple things that anybody can do. And, and when we hear it that way, we think that, yeah, of course, this is all simple. Can it be all that? Can it be that simple? Right. Yeah, it can be that simple. Right. If we look around the world at all of the uh, uh, longevity pockets and look at what these folks are doing, how they're living, what they're eating, how they spend spend their days, uh, their leisure time, uh, the time they take to eat a meal. Right. Uh, the meal is a time for socializing with friends and and relaxing. Put that all together and and uh, copy that model. Yeah, and you will have great longevity. Right. Yeah, I was out yesterday. I was hiking around this place called Fort Rock in southern Oregon. And uh, it's the, one of the oldest civilizations known in North America. Paisley Cave is right nearby, which is like 12,000 years old. And Fort Rock, I think 10,000-year-old sandals we found in there. Pretty cool. I didn't find them, but somebody else did. And uh, one of the things that I was reading on there was uh, by a fella, he's an old, like an old farmer, he was born in 1898, and uh, he was like, they called him the, the sage of Fort Rock, I believe. And one of the things that he had said that I read on the sign was technicians are people that come to your farm and tell you things that you already know in language that you don't understand. Right, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's what that's what that's what so many people that are you know they're gurus and they're experts and all this stuff. And you know, I'm a culprit of this oftentimes because people like to hear about it, you know. But the core root of all this comes down to how's the air that you're breathing, how's the water that you're drinking, how's your relationships, how's your movement practice, how you know all these simple things. You know, you can you can practice shinrin yoku, which is like Japanese nature bathing. It's like we came up with a name for walking around outside, you know, like we branded that, like that's ridiculous. You know, we get into all these, the fight insides and all these different things that help you out with that. It's a small flashlight that's on, on what the, the grander picture of what's happening. When you take your shoes off, you run around the woods, you know, and you get some sun on your body and you, you know, you, you climb a tree. It is so challenging to quantify what is exactly happening there. Don't even try to just do it. <laughs> yeah. is, yeah. my, is my thought you know, so, we're, so we're about out of time 
Um, I know that you have uh, you got a, a ton of amazing books out, um, and you have a Qigong workshop coming up, and you have a lot of cool stuff going on. How do people find you? And um, just give us a little idea of what you're, what you're doing. Hey, uh, if any of this is of interest to the people that are listening to this or watching watching this, PeterRagnar.com. Or find me on Facebook, uh, and you know all of this information, all of the things I have to uh, to share are there. Awesome. Uh, sign up uh, for my free ebook on uh, PeterRagnar.com, cool. and you'll get a, a free ebook on breathing and longevity. How to use uh, certain breathing techniques to in, uh, lengthen your life. Awesome. A lot of good stuff. Great. We didn't talk about breathing. I'm going to do a whole episode on breathing. And uh, so if you know of any amazing breathing experts out there, um, I'd love to chat with him or her. Um, one of the things that I ask everybody at the end is if you could go back to any age and give yourself any little bit of advice, what age would you specifically go to and what would you tell yourself? And you can't cop out and say, everything's perfect. It's divine. <laughs> I wouldn't tell myself anything. Golly. Uh... It would be amazing if I knew what I knew today when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, hard telling what my life would be. Right. But, um, you know, I wouldn't give anything to change where I am this moment. Cool. Uh, at, at my age right now, I'm passionately excited. And it's... Uh, so what would you tell 20-year-olds then? If you had one well, thing to tell 20-year-olds. I'd tell a 20-year-old to, to live without any restriction. Totally be yourself. Yeah. I'd tell a 20-year-old, do not live with comparative mindedness. Live your own life, make your own decisions, learn from your mistakes. Right. And you'll be wise beyond your years. I love it, man. Such a pleasure to get to chat with you, man. I greatly appreciate your message and what you're putting out in the world. It's awesome. And uh, anytime I talk to someone that is twice my age about uh, getting older and they question what I'm saying, I'm going to say, just go check out Peter Ragnar. <laughs> he seems to be doing good. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. And uh, hopefully I'll see you in Kentucky at some point. I've never been out there, so it'd be, it'd be wonderful to get to check you out. Cool. All right. Thank you, man. Aaron, thank you. Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist and massage therapist all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.